This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. They're desperate uh, for the truth to get out. The fate of two lower mainland police officers charged with sex crimes in Cuba and the Vancouver Reverend who's been out to see them. Two weeks I've been kept out of my backyard. Arrest them! Tensions flaring up as a homeless campers in a provincial park on Vancouver Island face a deadline to leave. I'm calling for hoops in bottom-up skirts for next year. And fancy hiking. Why these women did the grouse grind in ball gowns. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. While the story of two lower mainland police officers detained in Cuba is back in the spotlight after a visit from a Vancouver reverend. Back in April, the officers were arrested in connection with the alleged sexual assault of a 17-year-old girl from Ontario. As Julia Foy now reports, the reverend who's been out to see them says a poor relationship between Canada and Cuba could be hindering their investigation. I was absolutely blown away. Reverend Blake Field showed his frustration as he spoke to CKNW's John Daly about his recent trip to Cuba to visit 29-year-old Vancouver police officer Mark Sims and 31-year-old Port Moody police officer Jordan Long. I went because I was called on to do my job, which is to provide pastoral care, critical pastoral counseling in this case, to two people who were experiencing the most traumatic crisis of their lives. Sims and Long went on vacation back in March to the popular tourist town of Veradero. A 17-year-old girl from Ontario contacted Cuban authorities and accused the two men of sex crimes. Sims and Long were arrested and spent a week in jail before being released. Their passports have been seized and they can't leave the country until an investigation is complete. They would have five days, five days, to work with their lawyers who don't speak any English, to prepare their legal defense. That's when the Wilson Heights United Minister, who has known the Sims family for years and is fluent in Spanish, decided he needed to head to Cuba to help. He was shocked at what he read in the court documents. Which is irrefutable, obvious and undeniable uh, proof that the allegations that were made against them are false, that they're untrue. Canadian officials have indicated they are aware of the situation and are monitoring it. But one security expert is concerned that the judicial delay could be linked to something else. Our embassy and the embassy of the United States being acoustically blasted uh, a little over a year ago uh, in Havana and uh, the resulting outcry from both of our countries to the Cuban government who are denying any responsibility. Church members are fundraising to help the two police officers cover their living expenses and lobbying to bring the men home. And for the right thing to have happen now, and that's to have them be returned to Canada. Julia Foy, Global News. 
In the Fraser Valley, a suspect involved in drug trafficking has been acquitted of seven of eight drug charges. Brian McDonald was facing eight charges for the purpose of trafficking following a raid last November where two kilograms of drugs, including fentanyl, cocaine and methamphetamines, were seized. Now, you might remember this was also when an Abbotsford police officer was caught on a hidden camera walking into a room, picking up some money and then stuffing that money into his his sock. He has since testified he put the money in his sock as a practical joke. Going back to the suspect, his lawyer has argued for a stay of proceedings, calling the incident uh, a breach of trust we place in our police officers and further stating it contaminated the justice system. The officer who hasn't been named is still on admin leave. And seven people have been charged with trafficking drugs between Edmonton and B.C. The seven-month investigation ended with police searching two homes in the Edmonton area. A variety of drugs were seized, including nearly 400 grams of purple fentanyl with an estimated street value of $98,000. Police say dealers have been known to colour drugs, so they're more appealing to users. Now, it might be the last weekend of September, but there are already snowfall warnings for that. Let's uh, bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schaal, who can tell us uh, what you're actually seeing there out there, Yvonne. Sonia, we've got a special weather statement that has been issued. If you're heading along the mountain passes, we are seeing snow developing as early, the overnight tonight and through the day. The following spots that are indicated in grey, if you're heading along the mountain passes, the connector, we're looking at the potentials to see the highest amounts, ranging between 5 and up to 10 centimetres. The Coquihalla Highway 3 from the Paulson Summit to Kootenay Pass and Highway 97, all included within that. We're looking at a range between 2 and up to 4 centimetres. So if you're heading along the mountain passes overnight tonight, the snow is going to develop and continue for the day tomorrow. We've also got uh, the, snow, the winter tires. We need them for Monday. I'll have more on that. And it's rain across the south coast. Uh, a significant amount for a few spots. That coming up shortly. Sonia? All right. Good to know all of that stuff. Uh, we'll see you a bit later. Thank you. Uh, police in Abbotsford have been investigating a serious crash this afternoon. A pickup truck and Jeep collided at Dixon and Campbell Roads. This is sometime after one this afternoon. One person was left seriously hurt and rushed to hospital. The road was closed to traffic for hours while investigators looked into what caused that crash. There were also fiery scenes on the Lowheed Highway in Pitt Meadows this morning. A car erupted in flames on Highway 7 just east of Allen Way. This happened around 11.30 this morning. Witnesses telling Global News the vehicle was engulfed in flames just before the bridge on the Pitt Meadows side of the Lowheed Highway. Now the deadline is looming on Vancouver Island for homeless campers who've been moved from two former tent cities in Saanich. Now they've ended up at Goldstream Provincial Park, but they've been ordered to leave there by Tuesday. Today a rally was held in support of the campers, many of whom say they've got nowhere to go. Nadia Stewart reports. Shame this is! Shame! At a Saturday morning rally outside Goldstream Provincial Park, homeless campers expressed their frustration. It's not hard to fix these problems. It's, it's just red tape. The people united will never be defeated! 
after being forced out of Saanich's Regina Park by way of a court injunction, about 30 campers now face another eviction deadline. All of them must be out of Goldstream by October 2nd. The rally, an attempt to allay neighbors' fears. To open up our gates um, as a province and our gates as people down there so that the folks from Langford can come down, see what's going on, have their fears alleviated and start building a connection. The park has been closed since September 19th, back when campers moved in. Since then, the province has been working to decamp the park, transitioning people from shelters to housing. In a statement earlier this week, Housing Minister Selena Robinson said that will begin on October 1st. Open up the gates! Open up the gates! But on Saturday, campers and their supporters marched right back into the park, past police, park rangers and the blockade, prompting neighbors to make their frustrations known. And it's not safe for any child to go in there right now. Go away. Go support them. Go support yeah. them. It makes them uneasy. And of course, not being able to see what goes on uh, down in the park makes them even more uneasy. Leonard Chevrier, who lives in the area, says he's been to the camp and did not see the same kind of debris left behind in Saanich. He's optimistic about this week. I think on the first that majority of our campers down there are actually going to leave and it's going to be pretty peaceful. Peaceful, even though campers have already said the housing being offered is not adequate and they are vowing to fight. We'll know soon enough how it all plays out. Nadia Stork, Global News. To the Okanagan now, where it's almost move-out day at a mobile home park near Penticton. Residents were given notice to leave five months ago, but as Global's Jules Knox now reports, their desperation to find a new place is hitting peak levels because they've just got two days left to go. Diane Reddick is joining the ranks of the hidden homeless. Nowhere to call home, crashing on a friend's couch. I'm petrified. Reddick, like dozens of others at the Delta Mobile Home Park, was given an eviction notice five months ago. All must be out by October 1st. It's devastating. It's really tough. It's tough for everybody. Everyone's built something, whatever, whatever suits them, and it's goodbye. The Mobile Home Park is on Penticton Indian Band land, which means provincial tenancy rules don't apply. Politicians have said there's nothing they can do. Every one of us has a different story, and either way, we're all here because we're struggling in some way. When I got in this park, I thought it was a godsend. You know, it was something I could afford, it was permanent, it was great. Cynthia Carley isn't sure what her future holds. She hopes to stay temporarily at a nearby RV park, but only if she can sell one of her trailers first so she can make rent. At this point, I'm just working on the next 24-hour period or I'll lose my mind. Amidst low vacancy rates and high rents, tenants here are struggling to find new homes and say there should be more affordable housing, especially for those with pets. There are going to be a lot of people that are going to be on the streets or halfway houses and living in the bush with no water and no power. The property is slated for redevelopment. Neither the owner or the property management company responded to multiple requests for an interview. As for residents here, they say it's a sad goodbye. Have you seen many tears around the park? Everybody. <laughs> Pretty much everyone. Jules Knox, Global News, near Penticton.
And a motel in Prince George has lost its business license after the RCMP identified it as one of the top 10 hotspots for criminal activity in the city. City Council suspended the license, saying some of the blame does fall on the owner because he allegedly refused to deal with the problems. The number of opportunities that the owner had to be part of the solution as opposed to continuing to be part of the problem, uh, he refused to take any of those lifelines. And I suppose it's easy to just turn a blind eye because we have a business person that is dealing with the issue. But I call BS. That's not good enough. All tenants of the Queensway Court Motel have to leave by this weekend. The city is working with BC Housing now to find the new accommodation. The six-month suspension kicks in on Monday. The owner then can reapply for the, for the licence when that is over. Welcome back. Well, the FBI has started its work now on a new background check for U.S. President Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. Witnesses were contacted just hours after the investigation was ordered. As NBC's Kelly O'Donnell now reports, the White House is putting a limit on who agents can talk to, leaving out one of the three women who had come forward before this week's dramatic hearing. President Trump left the White House late this afternoon on day one of the new FBI background check he ordered on Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. I think it's going very well. The FBI, as you know, is all over talking to everybody. Republican Jeff Flake and Democrat Chris Coons upended the confirmation process Friday when they negotiated a last-minute demand to investigate sexual misconduct claims against Kavanaugh. The Senate Judiciary Committee urged the president to authorize a one-week FBI investigation of current, credible allegations. Multiple sources tell NBC News the bureau is limited by the White House to pursue claims made by Christine Blasey Ford and Deborah Ramirez, but not allegations from Julie Swetnick, who is represented by Trump critic Michael Avenatti. President Trump said the FBI can follow its own leads. Yeah, they have free reign. They're going to do whatever they have to do. Today, Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar expressed concern. The issue is that the White House is going to have to give some guidance. It's not like the FBI off on their own. This new probe of Kavanaugh is not a criminal investigation, and that limits agents' authority. I could imagine that the FBI is in a box if they were only asked to interview X number of people. And remember, those interviews are voluntary. Judge Kavanaugh has denied any wrongdoing and says he will continue to cooperate. Foreign Affairs Minister Christian Freeland has postponed her speech to the United Nations today as free trade talks between the U.S. and Canada have intensified. Now, she had been set to deliver Canada's address to the General Assembly in New York, but Canada exchanged that slot with another country. Freeland may or may not give the speech on Monday. Let's wait and see. A senior government official said they are making progress in the talks, but it's not certain if they're going to reach an agreement soon. The U.S. and Canada are under pressure to reach a deal by tomorrow. That is when the Americans must make public the full text of its agreement with Mexico. 
Air Canada has updated its alcohol and drug policy. This is to include the recreational use of marijuana, ahead of it being legalized on October 17th. The airline says the new rules are to ensure safety of both travelers and employees. Now, staff working in critical safety areas, including flight operations and maintenance, will be prohibited from using cannabis and cannabis products at all times, both on and off duty. Uh, WestJet is expected to release its cannabis policy next week. Tesla CEO Elon Musk and the electric car company have agreed to pay $40 million and also make a series of concessions. It's all in order to settle a U.S. government lawsuit that alleged Musk duped investors with misleading statements about a proposed buyout. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission announced the settlement today. This is two days after filing a case seeking to push Musk out. Under this settlement, he has to uh, give up his role as chairman for at least three years. Uh, He still gets to be CEO, though. A day after that massive earthquake and tsunami hit Indonesia, authorities there are just beginning to address the devastation left behind. At least 384 people have been confirmed to be dead. More than 16,000 have now been displaced. Tonight, rescuers warning the death toll expected to rise. The devastation from the tsunami and earthquake spread over a wide area. So much destruction, buildings, roads, phones, power lines, only one big city reached so far. Today, new powerful aftershocks rattled nerves. A makeshift morgue overwhelmed, with hundreds possibly missing, some desperate residents searched there for lost loved ones. There's people that are traumatized, they're in the streets, they're not wanting to go into their houses, Uh, food may be scarce. The quake magnitude 7.5, the tsunami's wave some 10 feet tall. Still no contact with a region of some 275,000 close to the epicenter. The military mobilizing for a huge search and rescue operation. A nation in a region prone to earthquakes, again facing unspeakable loss. Ron Allen, NBC News. And... And forecasters in Japan issuing a dire warning today as a powerful typhoon is getting ready to slam into the country. Their chief meteorologist saying the typhoon is expected to land in western Japan with extremely powerful winds and cause extreme weather across the nation into Monday. Let's bring you back home now. The BC Liquor Store's annual Bordeaux release drawing in big crowds today. Wine lovers crushing the doors to get their hands on the more than 8,000 cases of the 2015 vintage up for grabs. Many camping out overnight to be the first in line at the store at 39th in Canby. Now, the prize Bordeaux will be available at 30 signature stores until it's sold out. Price ranges from 25 to 3,500 bucks, with Petrus being the most expensive. And this is a wine, like many of the wines here today, that will just improve for decades in the cellar. This is probably the best release since 2010. And so, I mean, I got here at 6.25 in the morning, and I was number 102 in line. What do you love about the Bordeaux wine? Well, uh, as my boss told me, he says, uh, you're buying wine for your grandchildren, really, because the thing about Bordeaux wine is it's one of the few wines in the world that you can uh, put in storage for a really long time. 
Yeah, I'm not knocking those people that camped overnight. I like my wine, but... Sounds like sour grapes to me. Oh, dear. (laughs) Dedication. All right, maybe you got your hands on one of those uh, bottles. Maybe you're going to open it today. Is it a good evening to do it? <laughs> yes, of course. It always is. Always for open your Bordeaux with the with the news out. Yeah, exactly. We go together. Exactly. For a pairing. Hand in hand. It's a great pairing. Very it's good a great pairing. pairing. All right. Uh, today we did uh, see a few breaks out there, but an increase in cloud cover. The wet weather is going to start to push in. We'll start already starting to see it on the satellite and radar. The latest image right now. So most areas getting that push of moisture. It'll be heavier at times. Earlier on in the show, I was talking snow, and the snow level is lowering for the interior sections between. 1,200 and 1,500 meters. So lots to talk about when I come back. Uh, but the rain is going to be heavy at times right across the south coast. So the latter half of your weekend forecast and looking ahead towards next week coming up shortly. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. And uh, in sport, what's been going on, Barry? Busy, busy day. All three teams are playing today. Everyone's on the road. Canucks are in uh, Kelowna playing their final preseason. Whitecaps have a big one in L.A. And the Lions already played in Hamilton. Whatever's below stinking the joint out, that's how the Lions played in Hamilton today. Worst game they've played this year, maybe in the last few years that I've seen, unfortunately. So it's only one loss. There certainly uh, doesn't help their playoff situation, but everything that uh, could go wrong did, did go wrong today. So... Welcome back. Well, it was a terrifying morning on a beach in Southern California where a 13-year-old boy was attacked by a shark. He's been left in a critical condition. It comes after another shark attack on the East Coast earlier this summer that turned deadly. A day diving for lobsters turned into a frantic rescue mission at Beacons Beach near San Diego. I'm asking for a helicopter. We need to airlift somebody out for a shark attack. Help came quickly. Emergency responders trying to save a 13-year-old boy, airlifting him to the hospital. We heard this kid uh, scream. Chad Hamill, kayaking nearby, helped the teen get away. I started paddling towards him and there's a big old, you know, wake of blood behind him. The boy's wounds showing the big bite on his body. Ripped open everything in the back and then the top teeth came down and got his cheek. Authorities say the shark was about 11 feet long. It's the latest in a number of shark attacks from coast to coast. One incident on Cape Cod earlier this month turned deadly. This California beach now closed. Warning signs up have people seeking safety on the shore. Kathy Park, NBC News. In health matters tonight, a warning from Health Canada to EpiPen users. Now, they say some of the devices may not be working properly. The agency says some EpiPen and EpiPen Junior auto injectors may not be sliding out of their carrier tube, which could mean they won't work in emergency situations. Pfizer Canada says the problem is due to labels being applied incorrectly. The affected EpiPens have expiry dates ranging from April 2018 to October 2019. So far, there are no reported cases of the product malfunctioning in Canada, but you can take the device to a pharmacist to check if it is working properly. And here is another reason to hit the green as often as you can. A review of more than 300 studies finds golfing regularly reduces the risk factors of heart disease and stroke. Playing can also improve strength and balance for older people. Researchers recommend playing two and a half hours a week and walking instead of driving around in the car. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 20 years after the Vancouver Public Library Central Branch was built, it's long talked about rooftop garden open up to the public today if you want to catch this it is up on the ninth floor the entire space run by a skylight that darkens and brightens depending on the amount of outdoor light the total cost of all of this 16.8 million dollars it is now open to everybody and you can also rent the space too i think it's absolutely beautiful it's lovely up here um, I think it's a wonderful space, especially because there aren't very many public green spaces, especially rooftop green spaces. I love it. I do, but I think it's a little small. <laughs> I've been waiting for this, you know, since 2001, you know, that's the year when I moved to Vancouver, and I just look at this, you know, the rooftop, and I just thought, hey, you know, why not a rooftop garden? <laughs> And the Museum of Surrey's $15.7 million expansion also opening today with its first feature exhibition, Dinosaurs Unearthed. The new gallery is currently lined with all things prehistoric, but the community hub and cultural space will also be used for public rentals. Now, the museum site is located on 56A Avenue in Cloverdale, which is also home, of course, to Heritage Square. It feels amazing. We've been working nonstop day and night for weeks on end and um, the museum isn't completely done. We still have lots of work to do but we are ready for the people of Surrey and we're ready for anybody who's visiting Surrey too. Surrey is a new space. Surrey is a space of community and of cultures. We have Syrian refugees who've come to Surrey. We have Punjabis who've lived here since the 1800s. We have many, many different First Nations groups here. And that's what this museum is, is to represent all of those communities. Now, I like all that, Yvonne. A couple of new places to check out over the next few days and weeks. Yes, and with the rain that's pushing in, that's a great idea. Somewhere to be inside, indoors, um, and this is why. We've got rain that is starting to push in and heavy at times for the latter half of our weekend. First weekend of fall, it's going to feel like it, but what a difference a day makes. Yesterday, we had that sunshine over the past few days, and areas in Squamish with up to 26 degrees, that was the hot spot, and today, we're back into the teens for most areas. 14 is the current temperature, northwesterly wind at 7 kilometers per hour. 16 was the high today close to where or right where we should be for this time of the year. A record of 23 degrees was set back in 1988. Still seeing temperatures at 17 for Burnaby, Coquitlam, North Van at 15 degrees, 19 for Pitt Meadows, Tawasson currently at 16, similar for Abbotsford, and Hope at 16. Interior sections for Kamloops at 15. It's been chilly today for the Peace, currently sitting at 1, only getting up to the uh, 1 today. 17 as your current temperature for Prince Rupert and 16 for Tofino. The change that's on the way, we've had this ridge of high pressure that's been the dominant feature that's brought us the sunshine, warm temperatures. Now it's going to push its way towards the north. We've got cool Arctic air pushing in across the province and a low bringing in moisture. So the combination of both of them for the interior sections will be snow. 
and along the south coast will continue to see rain. Some of the totals, most of it developing by the overnight tonight for the interior sections. It'll be heavy at times for Sunday. The snow continues for higher elevations and along the mountain passes throughout the day tomorrow. And the higher amounts of rainfall will be for Squamish along the North Shore Mountains. And it continues into early next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, with a few spots, especially along the North Shore Mountains and pushing in towards the eastern sections is where we'll see the higher amounts. Higher amounts of snow Snowfall once again that develops overnight and through the day tomorrow will be for the connector from Merritt to Kelowna, the Coquihalla Highway 3 as well as Highway 97, anywhere between 2 and up to 4 centimetres. A reminder, winter driving conditions, you must have snow tires or mountain snowflake tires starting Monday, October the 1st and at least 3.5 millimetres of thread. Trucks required to carry chains and these are the winter tire routes that are indicated in pink, most of them across the island and across the southern interior. So a reminder, this takes effect for Monday, October the 1st, if you're traveling along the mountain passes. For the piece tomorrow, three degrees, snow pushes back in for your Monday, rebounding on Tuesday with some sunshine. White horse, sunny and dry over the next three days. Coastal sections will see a break. The weather story tomorrow, though, winds northeasterly up to 50 kilometers per hour. Caribou and central interior up to 17. A chance of flurries developing late day Monday. Columbia and Kootenai region, See the snow level at 1,200 metres overnight and then rising back up to 1,500 metres. Along the mountain passes, the connector seeing the highest amounts, 5 and up to 10 centimetres, kicking off overnight tonight. 15 and 25 millimetres for the village in Whistler and along the island, rain and heavy at times. We'll see that across Metro Vancouver. It's Monday, Tuesday, it's still remaining unsettled and anywhere between 20 and up to 30 millimetres of rainfall for tomorrow. Sonia? All right, thanks very much for that, Yvonne. Still ahead tonight, the Lions, Canucks and Whitecaps are all on the road tonight. Barry DeLay has got more on that. Plus, why these ladies ditched their leggings for ball gowns when doing the grouse grind. Stay with us. I've been overcharged for 14 years. BC Hydro admit to overcharging. Yes, it was wrong. But only offered a few months refund until Consumer Matters got involved. I just thought they would never give it to us. Consumer Matters, Monday on Global News Hour at 6. All right, welcome back. Well, Canada's first basketball superstar is in Vancouver this weekend. And with him, an opportunity for kids to get into the game. The Steve Nash Family Court unveiled on the PE grounds in honor of the NBA legend from Victoria, who, of course, got his place in the Basketball Hall of Fame earlier this month. This is a newly refurbished court. It steps away from the PE Agrodome. Well, you might remember it was in 1992, Nash brought his high school team to victory in the BC AAA Provincial Championships. The family court designed to allow kids to learn the hoops. Nash was too ill to attend. That's the message from him. So bummed I got sick as a dog and couldn't be there. Beautiful court. Hope the kids enjoy it. Nash's dad stepped in today and talked about how he never expected his son would go on to become an eight-time NBA All-Star. What we did do, we exposed our kids to every sport we possibly could because we think sports leads to better people and meeting you know, highly motivated people. And so I think that was very important to us. But as to projecting him into the future, no, I thought soccer would have been his way because at uh, 13 he, he, he just changed over suddenly because all, all his friends were playing basketball. It was a good decision, I think, don't you? Yeah. you? You never know who you're touching. And you never know who that little kid is going to grow up to be. 
You never know the dreams that you're inspiring. This isn't just a, a basketball court where kids will make, you know, baskets or two points or keep score. This is a place where people will develop lifelong friendships and they'll look back 20 years and say, yeah, we met at the Steve Nash farm. You can really do anything if you put your mind to it, especially if you're from a small town. You could even make it to NBA like he was, so that's pretty cool. Oh, so Steve Nash, if you're watching, get well soon, mm-hmm. and I'm in love with your dad already. He's from my <laughs> right. Hello, that, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Steve yeah. Nash, who's you know bigger than basketball for sure. Yeah. He just loves that he can uh, you know part of his legacy is a nice place for kids to play because that's where that's where all the fun is. You know, right. playing on the playground. Hopefully, so. good for him. Produce some new stars. Yes. All right. Um, what's going on today? Well, we're going to talk lines. We're all turned around. We got camera situations. <laughs> we so have. I feel I feel a little Dizzy. bit uh, off here that I'm on this <laughs> side, but I will p- present you straightforward as usual. Thanks, uh, Sonia. <laughs> well, as the song goes, the uh, thrill is gone. Last week's heroic last-second comeback by the Lions over the Thai Cats was one of the most exciting finishes in franchise history. Today, in the return match in Hamilton. It was one of the worst displays in Lions recent history. One extreme to the next. The Lions got whacked 40 to 10, and all of that excitement from last week is now a distant memory. Before the game, tempers flare. The Ticats swarming Lions kicker uh, Ty Long in the warm-up. Payback for the Lions a day earlier, dancing all over the Ticats logo in practice Friday. Is the only emotion showed by the Lions this weekend. Uh, Ticats, a quick start. Jeremiah Mazzoli to Luke Task. Now, it shouldn't have counted this touchdown. The ball clearly touches the turf. It was a trap. Where's the CFL command center? Bush league mistake there. But really, the Lions can't blame their loss on that missed call. They were just awful. John Jennings, ill-advised pass. Don Unamba with the pick takes it the other way for a touchdown. 30-yard return. And the Lions were down quickly, 13-0. And then before the first is over, Mazzoli to a wide open, I mean a very wide open, Brandon Banks. Where's the coverage? He is back healthy after missing two games with injury. 20-0 Ticats after one. Everything went Hamilton's way. How do you explain Anthony Orange not making the interception and then Mike Jones actually makes the catch? One of those days where everything went Hamilton's way. That leads to another Mazzoli touchdown pass. Again, Brandon Banks pretty wide open in the end zone. 27-3 Hamilton at that point. Late first half. Lions with a chance to get a touchdown. Jennings to Devere Posey, but he just drops it. Pros don't drop passes like that. They used up all their football karma last week. The Lions literally couldn't do anything right today. It couldn't get any worse, could it? Why, yes, it could. Third quarter, Jennings pass, tipped. Mike Daly with the interception, takes it all the way for the pick six, and the Lions fall flat on their face. 40-10 to 10 the final. It wasn't that close. Three-game win streak over. They drop to 6-7. and seven. We'll see how they react next week against the Argos. Also today, Bombers and Eskimos. Winnipeg beginning the day tied with the BC with 12 points, but it's been all Winnipeg so far. Andrew Harris with the touchdown run. It's 27-3 Bombers in the fourth, so they will move past the Lions tonight. The Canucks play their final preseason game tonight in Kelowna against the Arizona Coyotes. Travis Green still has two more cuts to make, barring any injuries that uh, could come about. Those cuts expected to be announced either after the game or tomorrow. Canucks open their regular season in just four days at home 
to the flames. And we'll see if the Carl Robinson firing gives the White Caps the desired jolt tonight in LA against the Galaxy. The Caps have five matches to play. They are now five points out of the playoffs in the West. Craig Dalrymple makes his head coaching debut against Zlatan Ibrahimovic and the Galaxy, who are also in a fight for the playoffs. We'll have highlights tonight at 11. EPL Saturday, Chelsea and Liverpool. Reds' perfect 6-0 start. Chelsea, pretty close. Five wins and a draw in their opening six. Eden Hazard getting Chelsea off on the right foot, or make that the left foot as he finds the corner. 1-0 Chelsea. It stayed that way until late. Three minutes after subbing in, Daniel Sturridge with a spectacular strike from distance. Absolutely perfect. It ends 1-1. These two clubs will surely be in the mix for the championship all season long. Manchester City with a chance to join Liverpool at the top, hosting Brighton and Hove Albion. 29th minute, Leroy Sané across the box for Raheem Sterling, who's got the tap in. And then in the 66th, Sergio Aguero, like he's in a video game, dazzling footwork, give and go with Raheem Sterling, pretty to watch. Man City win again, 2-0. City, six wins, one draw this season, are tied for first with Chelsea. Has the bubble already burst for Man United manager Jose Mourinho? Calls for his firing already. It got worse today, just six minutes in. Felipe Anderson runs onto it, 1-0 West Ham at home against Man United. And now 2-1, Mark Arnautovic seals the victory. 3-1 the final. United off to its worst start ever. Just 10 points in seven matches. Welcome back. A week ago, Tiger Woods was on top of the world after winning his first PGA tournament in five years. But the joy is gone after two days of the Ryder Cup in France where Tiger and Team USA have absolutely no answers for a European squad that has thoroughly outplayed them. Massive roaring crowds welcoming the European team today. Sergio Garcia, Rory McIlroy, first out in today's morning matches. Europe led 5-3. After day one, Rory sinks the long bomb birdie as McIlroy and Garcia raced out to a four-up lead on Kepka and Finau. Sergio has actually had a bad year by his standards, but at the Ryder Cup, he just reverts to being magnifico. Sergio with the long birdie at 17 to close out the match, 2-1. and one. Tommy Fleetwood, a Ryder Cup rookie, has yet to lose, teamed with Francesco Molinari, now 3-0 after beating Tiger Woods and Patrick Reed 4-3. Europe won three of the four morning matches, took an 8-4 lead. Phil Mickelson warming up, but he did not play, sat out again, so he did not play at all today. He will play tomorrow in the singles. Tiger's had a dreadful week so far in France, misses the short putt, lost again this afternoon, paired with Bryson DeChambeau. Tiger up against the dynamic duo of Fleetwood and Molinari, who rolled to another easy win, 5-4. Fleetwood and Molinari, the first European team to ever go 4-0 at a single Ryder Cup. Henrik Stenson gave Europe a split of the afternoon matches, so Europe with a 10-6 lead heading into Sunday. USA has to get 8 of the 12 points to retain the Cup. Among the matchups tomorrow, Tiger versus John Rahm, McElroy versus Justin Thomas, and Mickelson versus Molinari. The Seahawks looked good at home last week, beating Dallas for their first win of the season. They should make it two in a row this Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals, whose feeble offense is the worst in the NFL. Chanel breaks it all down in the red zone. The 
The Seahawks found their identity last week and now have a chance to get back to 500 a quarter of the way through the season. The defense, dominant, recording five sacks and a couple of interceptions versus the Cowboys. Now the Hawks head to the desert to face a rookie quarterback at a venue they haven't lost in since 2012. The Seahawks held Dallas to just 137 passing yards. Earl Thomas leading the way with two turnovers. Now Seattle is tied for the league lead with seven interceptions and could wreak havoc on a Cardinals team who ranks dead last in passing. And their starting quarterback has just seven throws in the NFL, one which was picked off. Tyler Lockett has become Russell Wilson's favorite deep threat. Two catches of 50 or more yards this season and three straight games with a touchdown. He could burn Arizona for some big yards. Now another encouraging sign, the run game. Chris Carson becoming Seattle's first 100-yard rusher since 2016 last week. We could see more of the ground and pound on Sunday. Josh Rosen era has officially begun. He takes over the winless cards and now faces a Seahawks defense that is ninth against the pass. Now Arizona's passing game worst in the NFL, averaging just 132 yards a game and just two touchdowns this season. Now through three games, Arizona has just 20 total points and has been outscored by 58. Expect Rosen to play more of a conservative game, throwing when necessary. Despite having the worst rushing side, expect to see lots from David Johnson. He's only run for 112 yards so far, but faces a Seattle team third from the bottom against the run, giving up 133 yards a game. But the Hawks are just one of three teams yet to allow a rushing touchdown. The defense ranks 18th, allowing almost 25 points a game and ranks 27th in opponent completion percentage. That could be good news for the Seattle offense. Now the Hawks are favored by a field goal, but have only one win versus Arizona in their last four meetings overall. All right, Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors opening their NBA preseason in Vancouver at Rogers Arena against Portland. Raps holding a very low-key training camp in Vancouver this week. First quarter, Leonard knocks down the pull-up jumper. His first points as a Raptor. Got a big roar from the sellout crowd. And then more from Leonard. Check out the fake here. A little step back move. Sinks the long jumper. That guy is so skilled. Can really do it all. A lot of high hopes in Toronto that he can take them to the NBA Finals. Then there's this. Leonard and Kyle Lowry on the break. Back and forth. Beautiful ball movement. Leonard lays it in. They'd blown the whistle for a foul call, but that will be a key combination for the Raps. Leonard, 12 points in 19 first half minutes. They win at 122-104. And... Uh, Good atmosphere at uh, Rogers for the basketball. If they ever decide to expand again in the NBA, Vancouver certainly has a chance to get mm -hmm. in, but that's not on the radar right now. Okay. All right. If you did the grass grind today, you may have seen these ladies. They were armed with umbrellas. 13 women tackling Mother Nature's Stairmaster while dressed in ball gowns. Uh, the Daring Climb is a fundraiser for Kids Sport. It is a non-profit that buys equipment and covers registration fees for kids under 18 whose families struggle to make ends meet. The organiser is hoping Gowns on the Grind is going to turn into an annual event. I don't even know how the idea came. It just did, and then it was like, it stuck, and I was like, okay, doing it. It's got to be different. It's got to be awkward. It has to be something that's not normal. 
Uh, I just know how hard it is to put all sorts of kids through. I have three kids myself. Putting them into sports, it's, it's expensive, so it's nice to help the families that can't can't afford it. These girls do the grind all the time. They're, they're just looking for another reason to do it, but the fact that they can raise money for kids that can't afford to do sports, that's, I think it's brilliant. That's amazing. You were saying awesome. you've done the grind how I've many times? I've done it six times, but... Uh, but never in a yeah, ball gown. Yeah, not in the ball gown. I do, I do wear the heels. <laughs> you no, that's, that's, a, that's hard to do at the best of times. Yeah, yeah. that adds for a them. couple yeah. of seconds or yeah, they look, minutes. They were right, though. They look like they've done it a few times before. So. Exactly. Now, that's I know, wonderful. I know it's not your birthday, <laughs> but we have something for you before we leave as well. Twelve giant pounder cubs that made their debut at a breeding facility in China today. Uh, take a look at this. We'll leave you with these pictures. They are very, very cute. Do you like those, Devon? Yes, I love them. <laughs> and this is why. Just look. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you tonight at 11.